Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. Can you give him a hand clap of praise right now? God, we worship you. We magnify you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. Something about that last part, come and fill me again. Sometimes in the darkest places, we've got to just call, God, I need you. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm going to dismiss the kids to Sunday school right now. Well, can you believe it? Next week will be Christmas Eve. I can't believe it. Where's the snow? I guess the song, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas, I guess we can, well, I guess we can sing it this, next Sunday we'll come together and we'll sing, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, you got one day, Lord, (laughs) I don't know, maybe it'll snow from now until then, who knows, I know some people are like, I don't want the snow, but if it's going to be cold, dump it, (laughs) well, exactly, it's not that cold, you're right, I can wear a hoodie to church, you know, (laughs) out and about, (laughs) it's been worse, right, uh, um, this, this Wednesday, we have um, caroling at 6.30, so if you would like to be a part of that, you can see me after church for the songs. I have a couple of extra songs. If you're like, oh, what are we going to sing? I want to practice and warm up my voice before. Um, but uh, at 6.30, but, uh, we'll be meeting at Oak Crossing, which is the um, uh, nursing home that is connected to the hospital over there. So it'll be fun for you to join us and... Uh, Sing some Christmas carols over there. It'll be a fun time. I'm sure it'll make their, um, I assume it would make their, make them smile. I know I'll probably be listening to us sing, and I'll probably smile myself. <laughs> yeah, best day of the whole month. That'll be a good time. Um, so we've been in a series talking about the three gifts, and this comes from uh 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and today we're talking about the third gift in this scripture, love. If we don't get this one right, we're not going to struggle. We're going to struggle. Love is so important, but love is not acceptance. God loves us just how we are, but he doesn't just accept us how we are. Otherwise, you would never change. You would never grow in him. It wouldn't, we, we wouldn't talk about faith without works being dead. We wouldn't talk about growth as a Christian if God just left us and accepted us how we are. The thing is, is just how you are right now, God loves you and he cares about you. And he is waiting for you to say, God, I'm willing to allow you to change me. So we must allow love to change us. And in the case of every person, we must leave the old life and follow him. And uh, acceptance, acceptance says that you're okay, but Jesus never left people how he found them. Look at the different people who were healed. Look at the people like, I, I like the one with the, actually I'm going to talk about this later in my sermon, but there's the one where um, the man is lowered down through the roof. They take off the roof and they lower the lame man down and, and, and Jesus forgives him of his sins first so that all of those that were questioning who Jesus was would know that this was God manifested in the flesh, standing before them because only God can forgive sins. That's what the Bible says in this story. I believe you can find it in Mark, early on in the book of Mark. You'll find that story. But in, in that same moment, he says, I forgive sins, but then he heals him. So he wasn't left the same when he came to Jesus. And I don't believe that Jesus leaves us the same because the Bible says he will never leave us nor forsake us. So 
That is what I believe is God is, is going to change you. If you begin to follow him, you won't be the same. I promise you won't be the same. Focus scripture today is 1 Corinthians 13, 13, as it has been throughout this series. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So now that we're getting into love, next week we're going to talk about greater love. But um, <clears throat> tonight, today we're just going to talk about this gift, this gift from God, love. But let's review faith and hope. Hebrews 11 tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So my faith in Jesus will cause the things that I hope for to change, right? Like my faith in Jesus, I plant my faith in Jesus. The things I'm hoping for, like they change completely because my desires are aligning with his. So my faith should be producing obedience to the word of God. It wasn't just a suggestion that was given to us. It was the word of God that was given to us. And he wasn't like, hey, you know what? Maybe this is a good way to live your life. He was like, this is the way to live your life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's in the Bible. That means there's got to be some things that we follow with Jesus. So James says faith without works is dead. Um, The book of James, you'll find it. I believe it's in the second chapter. Living faith produces forward movement. Have you ever found yourself not moving forward? I have been there. I just feel like I kind of get stuck in a frame of mind, state of life. And it says that faith, that, that faith without works is dead. Have you ever just gotten comfortable? How about on a nice summery day? You go to your backyard and you put out your lawn chair or maybe you put out a blanket and you feel the sun beating down on your face and you have a little bit of time. And you just lay down and you get comfortable. Sometimes that is the exact same thing we do in our spiritual walk with God. Well, I have arrived at this point in my life. I, I do this and I do that and I think I'm good. And we, get, we lull ourselves into the sense of comfort. But our faith in Christ should continue to produce works in our lives. We should continue to move forward. So living faith causes us to change. You won't be the same as you were. You're like, but I've been doing this my whole life. No, you will change. I promise you there will be some things in your life that changes because you follow him. So hope, it's coupled with our faith. If our faith is not in God, then we have no hope for eternity. Simple as that. That's what the Bible says. So my faith must be in him if I want to have a hope for eternity. And I think it was Paul that mentioned it. Um, If you hope for something but you don't see it, or if you see it, you don't need to hope for it anymore. What's something you hope for? Hopefully it's eternity. But how many times do we hope for a better job? We hope for, you know, a raise. We hope for, I'm listing things that I hope for sometimes, okay? Hope for my car to start working again, you know? Like, (laughs) stupid story. Interject here real quick. Yesterday was, (laughs) oh, Lord, it was terrible because my car ain't doing what it's supposed to be doing. The brakes are not breaking. <laughs> and I know the reason. Well, I took the, I, I did it. I, yeah, on my truck. Yeah. Yeah. We are, so I was replacing my brakes yesterday. I got all that done. Thought it would have been good, you know, but no, it's still spongy brakes. I know you got to get the air out of the line, but Lord, I have been struggling. <laughs> I'm like, the devil's holding it back. Why do you, why God, why are you testing me like this? He's not testing me. That's, that's not God. That's me, you know, taking on a project myself. But I got the tools, God, why? I'm telling you my prayer that I prayed last night, okay? That, that was what it sounded like. God, why? <laughs> Here's the thing is, is, if I hoped my truck would work the moment my truck works, I have nothing to hope for. But the beauty of my faith in Christ is that when my truck works, I still have hope because I have a hope for eternity. Because my faith is not in my vehicle as much as I trust my vehicle to get me from point A to point B, even though it fails me many times. Some of that is my own fault because I didn't fill it up with gas. But <laughs> we all have these things. And if we hope for this and it comes to pass, well, then we have to find something else to hope for. So this directly reflects in our actions. If, if, if I'm not hoping, if I'm not putting my faith in Christ, well, then my actions are not going to align with his will. So love is unique. We're going to talk about love here. And I think it's important that we evaluate our faith and our hope. Where is it? Because just like my keys, I often misplace my keys. They have a specific place they're supposed to go. Your faith 
has a place it's supposed to go in Jesus Christ, but sometimes we put it in things, people, places, all of these other things, and, and we kind of get our lives messed up. But love is unique in these three things. There's faith and hope and love. Love is different, though. It's a word, right? But more importantly, love is an action. Love requires sacrifice. If you have kids, this probably will hit with you because you love your kids, and so you correct your kids, right? But you also want every good thing that you can provide for your kids. You try to be the parent that you can be, right? What about in relationships? I want to be the husband that I can be for my wife. While I will admit, at times, I cannot be the greatest husband, but I do try my very best because I still make mistakes, I still have slip-ups, but the, 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 the important part is I am willing to lay down my life for my wife, and I would say that any parent is willing to lay down their life for their children. So love causes us to sacrifice. So in my love for Christ, it says that I have a reasonable obligation, and that is to present myself as a living sacrifice to God, meaning that I am for the use of what God has purpose and what he intends for my life, not my will, not my wants, not my desire. You're like, but Zach, that means you're not your own person. No, I'm not. I've been bought with a price, and I'm okay with it. A matter of fact, I would prefer it this way rather than just being, it, just being the person who makes all the calls and the decisions because I would much rather put my faith in him and watch it come to pass and see what God will do than just to put my faith in myself. Love, love causes you to do things that you may not normally do. Think about it. Like the very first time that you went on a date with that special someone. Like you were like, oh, I got to get dressed up real nice. Oh, I got to, I got to, you don't brush your teeth. And, and on this day, you're like, I got to brush my teeth because what happens if we kiss? You know, like, I don't want to have, I hate how stupid stories pop into my head sometimes when I say things. I'm not going to share that story. <laughs> oh, Lord, okay. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what I was talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, oral hygiene, thanks. <laughs> you, it causes you to do something different, right? So, like, you, 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 you want to look good. You want to smell good. You want to sound good to this person. And it's kind of fake when you go on that first date, right? Like, you're both putting on the best impressions. And then, you know, six months down the road, you've been, you know, going, you've been going out for a while, and things begin to change. Like, you, you're like, hey, let's, let's go out to eat tonight, and you're wearing sweatpants, you know, and and you're like got a hoodie on and you're like got your your house shoes on. I don't know if anyone ever has gone out like that before, but I went yesterday to Walmart in house shoes. <laughs> when I say I was done with my truck, I was done with my truck. <laughs> so I showed up to Walmart and the thing is is sometimes we dress to impress and we put on a show and 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 look fake because Whatever, we've got these mindsets that says, oh, i got to put on a show. Which, you know what? I don't want you to put on a show when you come to church. Please don't put on a show. Please don't look your best. Please don't, please don't think that you've got to be perfect. I just want you to come, hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that your life doesn't have to stay the same as it's always been. You can live victoriously through Jesus Christ. 1 John 4.10 says this, Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Look at this part of the verse right here. Not that we loved God. Is it we didn't love him, but that he loved us. He first loved us when I was messed up. You see, love is unique because while we were sinners, he died for us. While we were messed up, he cared about us. It begins with love and ends in eternity with love. The end of eternity, it ends with love. That's why the greatest of these is love. So when it comes to God, we have to admit and turn from our sin. We've got to turn, change. God, change me. So as we go through this today, we're going to study love in three different things. What is love? 
What's the Bible say about it? What do, when does love happen, and what action should produce love? So let's start. What is love? Let's say what the Bible says about love. I think that's a good place to look. And so we're going to jump up in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 to verses 4 through 7. This is what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not arrogant, is not rude, is not self-seeking, is not irritable. I must have not irritable. Lord, I must have not put that one in my note. I must have not read that yesterday. <laughs> I was very irritable. <laughs> and does not keep a record of wrongs. Love does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love is a big thing. So if we get love right, if we follow God the way that we're supposed to, it's going to change the mindset and the way that we do things in our lives. Millie, can you do me a favor? In that closet there, can you grab me the vacuum cleaner that's right by the door? So I don't know about you, but I struggle with some of those things. The irritatable thing, I get irritable. Uh, I can be rude sometimes, but this record of wrongs, thank you. How many of you have kept a record of wrongs? We'll just go ahead and, we'll just go ahead and call it with husbands and wives. Like, I feel like this is a common place, right? We have a record of wrongs. Like, you know what my wife did yesterday, three weeks ago, 14 years ago? Like, <laughs> Like we got, <laughs> I got a record of wrongs. And you know what's weird is we keep this record, maybe not on a physical piece of paper, but in our minds because we never dealt with the wounds. That's in a relationship with a husband and wife. But what about our relationship with God? Do we sometimes keep a record of wrong and how we feel that God has treated us wrong? God, why didn't you just fix my brakes for me? God, why didn't you just heal my brakes? God, why, why do you hate me so much? Why, did, why would you test me in this way? And we get this mindset that everything that happens bad is because God didn't do something. And we completely forget about, hey, I need to own some of the things that I do because I put myself in these situations. So we keep this record of wrong not only in our relationship with our husbands and wives and people in our lives, but we also sometimes keep a record of wrong in our mind, and it stops us from that forward momentum. I have my faith in Christ, kind of, but I'm afraid that I'm going to get hurt again. I've been there. I've been hurt. But the way that the, bi the body works, the body of Christ, is we should be together. We should be one. I had a different illustration that I wanted to do today, but after yesterday, I just didn't want to get my bike off the ceiling, so we're using a vacuum cleaner today. It's here. It's ready. The only way this will work is if it's plugged in, right? It don't, it don't work like this. Even if I turn it on, it's just, it's just wheels on the carpet. It ain't doing nothing, right? So in the body of Christ, we must be Connected to God's spirit, right? Ah, oh, there we go. Now we got some life. But in the same sense, the body has to work together. Check this out. On this vacuum cleaner, there's a brush. You know what this brush does? It hits the carpet. It brushes the carpet so that the suction in the vacuum, it'll just suck all the dirt in, right? That's kind of how a vacuum cleaner works. It's pretty, pretty crazy concept, right? But if the, if, the, if the body of Christ isn't working in unison and we take the brush off, it's not going to be as effective, right? What if you take the wheels off? But, but what about this? Like, there's one thing I can take off real easy. Probably going to have dust all over the place, make you all sneezing. But that's okay. All right. There we go. There's all, there's all the people's hair. <laughs> if you take it apart, like, we've got a dysfunctional vacuum cleaner, right? This kind of sounds like my family sometimes, Dys dysfunctional, right? Maybe, maybe it sounds a little bit like the church, but you know what? It still sounds like it works, right? It, it's, it must be fine. It's okay. I'm going to be over here vacuuming. It's working, right? No. 
The body ain't doing anything if it's dysfunctional, if it ain't jointed together like it's supposed to be. Part of it's connected to the Spirit of God in this disjointed way so that the body of Christ doesn't actually do anything for the kingdom. This is what the enemy wants to do to the church. Because if it's not together, if, if we're not together, if we're not joining together, we're not going to be effective at helping clean up the mess that this world is in. But how many times do we like, we buy into like all these thoughts and mindsets in our, in our life and we're worried about what our favorite commenter has said about the political state of our country or we're worried about, you know, uh, this or we're worried about that. We get worried about all of these different things. And really, we're just dividing ourselves further and further. So if I want to have forward movement in my personal life, I need to make sure that I get in alignment with God. If the church is going to have forward movement, the church has got to be in alignment with the will of God. And it, and it can't be about just an emotional high that you come and check the box on Sunday. It's got to be a daily thing that we do because the, it says in the Bible that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So you want to see change, you're going to have to get involved with the body. You're going to have to say, God, I am part of the body of Christ and get active in the body. Otherwise, you're like this vacuum cleaner. I can't get it apart now. I must have screwed up. <laughs> Good. We need to be like that, stuck together. We don't come apart. <laughs> so my initial thing with the bike, I was going to be like, watch what happens when you stop using both feet. Uh, but, you know, here we are. I had a vacuum cleaner. <laughs> True love originates from God, though. I can tell you about love. I can tell you about how I love my wife. I can tell you about those things. But true love originates from God. 1 John 4, 7 through 8 says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now, I'm just so thankful that the Bible says that because now when I say that, it's not me saying it, it's the Bible saying it. So it says that we are to love one another. I will fail. And you will fail. But the job of the church is to practice the restoration of a brother or sister that's fallen. Not just let them continue in sin, but to practice the restoration. What does restoration mean? When you restore something, it works like it did when it was not broken, right? So when I went and bought this brake caliper yesterday that I needed, it came in the box, all the parts were there, and I put it on my truck, and I had to return the junk one. And I was like, why do they want the junk one back? Why does it cost $50 to, to pay the core fee? And I was just like, I was thinking about it, and then all of a sudden it clicked with me. I'm like, they're going to restore it. They're going to, and then they're going to sell it again, and they're going to make, oh, man, that totally makes sense. That's why they want it back, so that they can restore it so that it works like it was intended to work. And the same thing for us, when we restore a brother or sister, the callings of God are irrevocable, we talked about last week, right? So if a person is called, God has called them, if they say, hey, you know what, I have messed up, I've sinned, I want to come back, the, church, the purpose of the church is to practice the restoration of a brother or sister. That's love, because how many times we've been wronged by a brother or sister, and we're like, mm restore them. I'll tell you where I'll restore them. <laughs> like, like, no, we're, we're to restore them back, help get them back to where they were. So we're all going to mess up. But then this next part there where it says, if you don't love one another, then you don't know God. <laughs> Lord, I tell you what, there are days that it's hard to love people. Bible says that I'm supposed to love them. But you know what? Sometimes, sometimes I struggle with the love. So <laughs> what do you do in those moments? Well, I think it's better to remove yourself from the situation than just sit there and stand in it and, be, and, and just keep producing hate because that's not what love is. You need to work through it and get it in alignment with what God says love is. If I don't have love, then I don't know God. 
that's pretty hard to stomach. So those days that I'm struggling with love, it's probably because I don't know God good enough. I'll boil it down to that for myself. That's what I believe, that those days that I'm struggling with loving the person that's unlovable, the person that is annoying, the person that, that I cannot stand, it's in those days that I probably don't know God good enough and that I need to get back with him in prayer. So Colossians 1, 21 through 23 says, once you were alienated and hostile in your minds as expressed in your evil actions, but now he has reconciled you by his physical body through his death to present you holy, faultless, and blameless before him. If indeed you remain grounded and steadfast in the faith, you are not shifted away from the hope of the gospel that you heard. This gospel has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and I, Paul, have become a servant of it. This very first part of the scripture says that we were alienated and hostile in your minds. I, I believe that. There have been days that I've been alienated from God and that I have been hostile. And it's important that we look at this because what did it say back here at the start in 1 John 4.10? Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He loved us first. When we were messed up, he loved us. He cared about us. And he loves us in such a way that he doesn't he knows that you're alienated from him right now. He knows that you're struggling right now. He knows that you are expressing your evil actions and how far apart you are from him. But he's saying that I still got room for you. I've, there's still enough of me for you. It never runs out. There's something about the eternity of Christ. That there is something for you no matter where you've been or how far you've gone. He's there and he's ready to meet your need. But it's going to take you saying, God, I I submit to your will. God, God, I, I come humbly before you. God, I need you more than anything. We've been alienated, some of us, but it's so important that we recognize in those moments and come back to him. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 says, do not be yoked together with those who do not believe. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? True love changes the way you live. What fellowship does light have with darkness? It, it, it doesn't. It shouldn't. There, sh there shouldn't be an association with us with darkness. We live in this world, but we are not of this world. This world is not my home. So in the same thing, when I live my life outside of here, because a lot of times, I'll be honest, we all put a show on, right? You come to church, everything's good. I love the stories that, that people share about how like, oh, I remember when my parents would go to church. Oh, and they were screaming and yelling. You know what? I had the same parents. <laughs> Sound like you're telling my story. They'd be screaming and yelling at each other, fighting. And they get in church and they're shaking everyone's hand, loving on everyone. But then they get back in the car and they're right back at it again. Like anyone ever had a Sunday like that? You're like, oh, I lift up holy hands. <laughs> oh, ain't nothing holy going on in that car. <laughs> anyone been there? I've been there. <laughs> I have mistakes that I make, but I got to recognize, you see, that's not what God wants us to be. What fellowship does light have with darkness? What, what, does, what fellowship or partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? There is not. It should call us to change. True love, the true love of God will change the way that we live. We're born in sin and shaped in iniquity, but the word of God says that he created you a way of escape. You have a way to escape. So being a Christian, this is the hard thing because I feel like it's a tall order. It means to be Christ-like. Now, who in here is succeeding at being Christ-like? Good. I'm glad no one raised their hand because I'm failing. Okay, because like, let's be honest, like being Christ-like, he lived without sin, already failed. Already messed that one up. <laughs> well, like, like what else? Like he was the spotless lamb of God. I, had, <laughs> I got a lot of spots. But you know what? There's something about him. He washes us clean. He makes us new. It says in the Bible that we become a new creation in Christ. 
meaning that I'm not the same as when I came to Christ, meaning that there is a change process that takes place in salvation. It's not the same thing. You're not going to be the same person. You shouldn't want to be the same person. Let's be honest. If I was the same person that I was 15 years ago, I don't think we'd be friends. <laughs> but there's been a process that I've had to live through that God has taken me through. And I believe that God will humble us, that, that God will care for us and all of these things. <clears throat> so when does love happen? It is the first thing that happens. First John 4.10 said, love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for us. His love is the first thing. Even when I'm a failure, even when I messed up, he loves us. Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus didn't come to leave people the same. Think about the lame man at the pool of Bethesda. He'd been laying there for, I think it was seven years, and couldn't make it in to the water when it was stirred. But Jesus shows up and heals him on the Sabbath, and everybody threw a fit. Like, who are you doing something on the Sabbath? Like, I mean, he healed the guy. I mean, like, don't you think that's okay to do on the Sabbath? Like, whatever. They get, they get into this whole fight and everything, and there's people saying, well, he's the, why was he this way? You know, is it because his parents were sinners? You know, all these different things. And what did he sin that uh, made him do like this? And this was the thought process of every person. So, like, I think that has creeped into some of our culture sometimes. We're like, oh, why is this person so broken. Why is this person so hurt? Oh, I wonder what sin they did that brought them to this point. Like, why, why you got to think like that? Like, just because a person has cancer, that means they had to have a sinful life? Because sometimes just breathing oxygen causes cancer. I mean, in the state of California, my cup probably causes cal uh, cancer. <laughs> so the lame man at the pool left leaping. He was different. The sick man lowered down on the bed. His sins are forgiven, and he walks out of the building. At the ascension, he didn't leave the people the same. He left them with a job. He said, go. The church is to go. It's not to be this like thing where we like hoard everything. We should be sending people to preach the gospel, not just a, a facility that hoards people. God, that's the worst kind of church. I don't want to be that kind of church. So just so you know, I want to send you somewhere. <laughs> oh, you didn't laugh at that one, but I laughed at it because it was funny in my head. <laughs> I want to see you do something for God is what I'm saying. I want, to see, I want to see us fulfill the mission that Christ said for us to go into the earth and to preach the gospel. So today, Jesus doesn't leave us the same. The gospel requires that we preach repentance, but not that we shove our beliefs down another person's throat, but that people have to know that they can't stay the same. If you ever walk out of church and you think that you're okay staying the same, then I feel like I failed at preaching what God intends because I don't believe that any one of us is called to be stagnant. You know what stagnant water does? It stinks. I want to have a fresh spring in me, which causes things that I want the rivers of living water to flow out of me. I don't want to just stay the same. I want the joy, peace, and love that I'm supposed to have is as a Christian. So don't expect an audible voice from God to tell you what to do if you can't follow what he's already said in his word. Sometimes we're like, oh, Lord, if you could just like give me an audible voice and... I wish he'd just be like, God, when was the last time you opened up your Bible? I wish that was the audible voice we would get sometimes. You left me unread. <laughs> I know some people know that. Like, someone texts you, and you're like, don't open the thing, because you're like, I don't want them to know that I opened up the text message. <laughs> I do that sometimes. This is your message right here. And sometimes we're like, Ugh, if I open it, then I know I'm sinning, and then I, then I might have to change something. God might convict me. Well, then don't expect him to speak to you. 
because what he's already spoken, you've rejected. That's the purpose of getting into our Bible. And I'm not trying to like Bible shame you, but I want you to know like even I struggle with reading my Bible. I'm not as good as I should be. So keep, keep staying in the Bible. But here's the thing that's beautiful about the word of God is conviction is love. That don't sound, but Zach, I thought, I thought he loved me just, no, he wants to change you. Conviction, last week we talked about how conviction, when we stop listening to the voice of God, starts to get easier. Like we start to get away from it. And so it becomes easier to, to step away, to not listen. We become numb. We talked about hardened hearts last week, and I think that sometimes we can become that, hardened hearts. But love doesn't provoke us to anger, and anything that does provoke us to anger is probably not something God is pleased with. When it provokes shame, guilt, envy, lust, it's probably something we shouldn't be doing. You see, I believe God gives us warnings because he loves us, not because he's trying to control you, but he loves you and wants you to be saved. Your children don't get to do what everything they want, right, Jen? Like, they, your kids don't get to just run out and play in the street, but mom, I want to play in the street. Mom, please let me play in the street. They, they probably do sometimes end up in the street, but I bet your mama's like, mm-mm, not today. <laughs> I remember the day that I think it was Aubrey. Was it Aubrey that like fell asleep on the bus? Wyatt. Wyatt. Oh my Lord. My heart was panicking. All this, like we got all these text messages and everyone's looking for Wyatt and oh my word, I can't imagine. But you know, what is first? First day of kindergarten. Falls asleep on the bus and doesn't get off the bus. Mama, rightfully so, is freaking out. Oh, I can't even begin to imagine the panic that a parent would feel. And I felt panic for him. It's like, what could, what could be going on? And man, I was so, so nervous. But the same thing is, is when you got him, you didn't like beat him. Oh, don't you ever sleep on the bus again, did you? No, because why would you do that? You probably grabbed him and hugged him and kissed him and was like, oh, thank you, God. Like, my baby's here. Like, that's what I could imagine because that is what I would have been like. Yes. So the thing is, is sometimes love is a good correction and just the hug is a good correction. But sometimes I bet you when Wyatt is just being a little bum and runs out into the street, I bet your mama sometimes gives him a little swat on the butt. How many times has he wanted to stick his finger in a light socket? Has he ever wanted to do that? Chew on an extension? I wanted to chew on an extension cord, and my dad told me not to, but you know what? He walked out of that room, and I went back to gnawing at that extension cord. You know what taught me? <laughs> I learned real fast, you don't chew on extension cords. <laughs> Crazy. Dad didn't have to spank me. He didn't have to do anything. My own action taught me that was dumb. <laughs> so what actions should love produce? The gifts of God are vast, but in 1 Corinthians, it leaves us three at the end that requires specific attention. But I want you to listen to what happens at verses one through three of 1 Corinthians 13. It says, if I speak human or angelic tongues, but do not have love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I also have faith so that I can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If, and if I give away all my possessions and I give away over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. It's so cool that you can speak in tongues, but can you apologize in English? I don't know which one of you posted that, but I saw it the other day on Facebook, and I absolutely loved it because it's so true. You can get all spiritual, but you can't say, I'm sorry that you messed up. Like, you ain't got no love in you if you can't own up to those things that you've done. What about this? It's so cool that you can prophesy, and you can speak. uh, you, You know these things about the future, and you can talk about that, but yet you also with the same mouth that you prophesied with, go and start backbiting and talking negatively about people. Like how many are guilty of that sometimes? Like I've I've been guilty, but 
Here's the thing is sometimes this is we think we are so solid in God, but the reality is, is we are so far and we're just offering him lip service, which I know he doesn't want. He doesn't need your lip service. What he wants is your love and your obedience. That is what he's looking for. It's so cool that you laid your entire life out and gave your body over to God and you boast about it. Well, that's your reward. You got to boast about it. Don't expect love to be in your home if you don't practice love yourself. Love does not just happen. It requires you first to love the other person. Just as Christ loved us when we were sinners, he died for us. So husbands, the first command to you is to love your wives as Christ loved the church. So husbands, you know what? Just men in general, I'm going to talk to you. You should have a lot of love. Because it commands you to love your wife as Christ loves the church. But how many of us struggle with our love? Any men in here that like struggle with their love? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I struggle sometimes. I do things. I, I envy. I, I, I get irritable. I struggle with those things, sometimes jealousy. and That's not the love that produces, that, that Christ's love produces. So sometimes you got to go home and admit to your wife, Lord, I have... I'm, Babe, I've been wrong. <laughs> I had to apologize to my wife this week. And you know what? I'm not a smaller man for it. And if you apologize to your wife, I think you're a bigger man, and I'm proud of you for doing that. <laughs> Wives, if all you do is talk negatively about your husband, you're going to struggle at fulfilling your role too. But here, I'm going to say this. Someone's got to make the decision. Stop keeping the rights and the wrongs. Someone's got to make the decision and say, I'm going to share the love of Christ in my home. Because when it comes to your kids, they see it. And you know what? Every kid in this church will see the love that the adults have for one another like we are supposed to. We're supposed to love one another. So children, they have a requirement to honor their parents. But parents, you have the requirement to train up the child in the way that they should go. And they see everything. Adults, teens, the younger generation looks at you. They see what you're doing. And so what love are you producing? The beauty of this, faith to every man, a measure of faith was given. We have hope in Christ. We have the hope of eternity that we will see him face to face. We have that hope and love. The greatest gift that was given, it was given when we didn't deserve it. That's the beauty. I didn't deserve love, but love was given to me in spite of what I deserved. I deserved punishment, but I got love. So while we serve Christ, we struggle. There's no one in here that's Christ-like, but we try our best to follow Christ. And that is the best that we can do, is to try our best to follow him. He loves us in and through the struggle that we've been in. And just like we have to strive to love each other, we have to strive through the struggle. I'm not saying that serving God solves your problems or makes life easy. If anything, serving God is just going to teach you to love better. So as I close, all that I'm saying in, in this is that love was first given to you. Faith was given to you first. And now you have a hope of new life because everything you needed was given to you to follow him. And so you may have felt like you can't do it, but I know you can because God's word says that you can. And so even though you're maybe facing this block, this struggle, I believe without a doubt in my mind that you can make it. I believe it. I have my days where I don't think I can make it, but I know that these things that love produces are works in your faith, the way you treat your wife, the way you treat your husband, the way you treat your children, the way the children treat you. These are works of our faith that are produced. The way you treat your coworker, the, tra the way you treat the person on the street, the way you treat your, your mailman. These are the works that we have got to have in our life. So you want to produce works in your life? The answer should be yes, because it shows that you are active and living for him. That's what I need. I've got to be active and living for him. If I'm 
a sideliner. It isn't good enough. I don't want to be the same from week to week. The Bible says that we should be changed by the renewing of our mind. I need the regeneration of his spirit. I came in today and I said this. Joe asked me how I was doing. I said, well, I'm a little frustrated. I said, I'm struggling. I said, I feel like I have nothing to give. Is what I said this morning. And just worshiping God, do I still feel tired and do I still feel like I'm struggling? Yes. But you know what? I know that I can make it. And if I'm going to tell you that you can make it, I have to also tell myself that if I believe you can make it, I too can make it. And so even though this week and the past couple of weeks have been a struggle for me, I know that I can make it. And I want to encourage you to make it with me. That you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all your dots crossed and your eyes dotted. <laughs> but you can make it. I promise you can make it. So as this song plays, I want to invite you. If you want prayer, I want you to invite you to come up here. I want to pray with you that God would touch you today before we leave this place. God, I thank you for meeting us here today. God, I pray that you would touch every heart, every life, God. You know exactly what's needed. God, I pray that you would minister in a special way to every heart. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. If you want prayer, I want to, I want to invite you to come up here and to, to join me in prayer. Thank you.
I don't know about you, but I have found a love. I've been lost, but I know that I've been found by the one who comes and leaves the 99 to find the one. Guys, you're the one. I was the one. I'm thankful that I was the one that he came and found. God, as we close today, God, I pray that you would touch us, God, that we would, that we would go through this week, God, that we would focus on you, God, that we, would, that we would put our faith in you, God, that we would see the hope of tomorrow, God, that you are the hope, God, that every day that we have, God, that our hope is found in you. God, I pray that you would move in a mighty way, God, as we go through this. God, for anyone that's traveling, God, for Christmas, God, I pray that you would protect them and keep them. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you leave, I want to tell you, next week Christmas is Christmas Eve. We'll have our normal service time at 11 a.m. And uh, we'll have our Christmas Eve service, but it'll be at 11 a.m. So it's not like Eve, it's just the day. <laughs> um, yeah, a good way to start your morning. And then the following week, we won't have a morning service. We'll have a nighttime service, and it'll be worship and communion. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about that next week. But um, looking forward to uh, New Year's Eve. It'll be a good time, a worship night. We'll have communion. It'll be a great time. Um, so have a great day. God bless. Make sure you high-five someone, shake someone's hand, whatever you feel comfortable with. Maybe if, you, if you're comfortable with it, give them a hug. Have a great day. <laughs>